Ciao. Ciao. Everybody, it is time for another episode of Couple Critique. It's a very special episode this week. It's a super special episode because this is a movie that we love. So much. So, 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 so much. And it is... Call Me By Your Name. Ah, yes, Luca Guadagnino's 2017 masterpiece starring mm-hmm. Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer as Elio and Oliver. And it is just a really awesome, amazing... If you haven't seen it, quick plot rundown. There's going to be mad spoilers in this review. Discussion. Yeah, like a- What'd you say? Like always... Yes, there's going to be mad spoilers. Super quadruple spoilers. And basically it's about a family, and what are they, etymologists? Well, the dad's an etymologist. Yeah, I'm not... I don't know what the mom does. The mom is something. (laughs) She's a mom. And their son is Timothy Chalamet. And every summer, it's the summer, right? Yeah. yeah, every summer they go to Italy and they do research on history and words and find ancient artifacts. And every summer they have like an intern type student who comes in and studies under the father. And this summer it is Army Hammer. And he and Elio, the son of the family, strike up a very interesting relationship. Call me by your name. Interesting is definitely one way to put it. Yeah, interesting for sure. Um, (laughs) So, we... So, okay. So this movie has a very special kind of place in you and me's journey. Yeah. Into couple critique. (laughs) (laughs) Because Call Me By Your Name is a movie that the both of us fell in love with on the way to falling in love with each other. Yes. Weirdly enough. Um, (laughs) Now, I saw this movie before I even knew you, though. Oh, yeah. Because I didn't know you until 2018. And I had seen the movie in theaters in the fall of 2017 when it had come out. Uh because I was really excited. I watched, I, I remember I went to the movies and I saw that movie and I saw Phantom Thread in the same night. That must have been quite a night. Oh, uh, it was the best night ever. Even though this is, I didn't quite get Phantom Thread the first time I watched it. And I yeah. remember being like, ooh, was this movie like boring? <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. And then, but no, but I still, I, I grew to love that movie a lot. Like, it's like Uncut Gems re- in, in recently. Like, I saw Uncut Gems. Even though I'd say I liked Uncut Gems in the theater more the first time than I liked Phantom Thread the first time I saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like, 
I wasn't vibing with Phantom Thread when I saw Phantom Thread. I see. But as time has gone on, I have 150 million percent fallen in love with that movie. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. We will have to do it at one point for the podcast. I think we're doing it this month. Oh, for real? It was on the schedule. I know we replaced something, though, so I don't know if we replaced... No, we, we, no we're doing it this month, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, see, wow, all right. So, <laughs> look at me. I'm supposed to... I'm, I'm, I'm in here, and I schedule the episodes, and I do all the recording, and I have no clue what the heck episodes we're doing one. <laughs> That was your idea, too. Oh, man. Look at that. But, yeah, anyway, so I saw that, and I saw Call Me By Your Name on the same night. Because mm-hmm. I was... Didn't you, like, immediately go out? You told me you went out and you bought clothes right after watching it. I did. I bought some clothes because I was just like, man. <laughs> I was just like, man, they dress so cool in that movie. And I was like, man, I want some cool clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just they are they mastered the art of, like, chill. In, of like chill dressing and when I was watching it yesterday it reminded me a lot of like um, like weirdly even though French New Wave films like most of them have no color like in the early days because it was like they were shot in the 50s and stuff like that in the 60s uh-huh. um, it reminded me of like movies like that like just how they were dressing and stuff like that but I mean it's they're both very European so like I don't know. There's just a lot of things like that. Like, stylistically, this movie is incredible. Right. And one of the best... Anyway, anyway, back to first impressions before I get too deep in this, because then it'll be all over. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. So, I watched it, and I remember just being like, wow, that was one of, like, the most beautiful movies and one of the best romances I've ever seen on screen in my entire life. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I just immediately was taken by this movie, and I don't know. I haven't had an experience with a romance movie the way I felt about that movie uh, since then. And I don't know. I just remember being just like blown away by the music and the colors and the way it looked and how it opened up and how it ended and the journey in between and. This was my first real exposure to Timothy Chalamet, even though I had seen Interstellar and totally forgot he was Tom. And, like, I don't know. There was just, this movie, like, blew me away on my first watch. Yeah. How about you? First time. (laughs) This is the movie I never thought I was going to watch. Like, I saw the trailers for it when it came out, and I... For some reason, I just wasn't interested in it at all. Mm-hmm. It didn't really catch my eye, and then that's actually surprising to me. I know, like knowing you, it's super surprising that this wasn't a movie that you were like jumping, like that you weren't running to the theater to go see. <laughs> I don't think that I. I definitely have a different taste now than I did then, or I care about different things than I did then. Mm-hmm. So if I saw a trailer similar. Now, I would definitely be like, yes, I'm going to go watch this. Absolutely. But I don't know what it was. I just didn't want to. Um, And then I remember you telling me about it. And I was a little more intrigued now that I knew some of the plot. And then when I watched it, I was like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. 
And so we watched, you watched it on the same day I was going to see a, another movie in the theaters. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So They're both by Luca, right? Yes, both were by Luca Guadagnino. So Suspiria uh, had come out. And it, so obviously it was 2018. And I remember being like, oh, shoot, I got to see this movie. And I remember telling you, you have to see Call Me By Your Name. And then I was like, it's on freaking Movies Anywhere. And I by that time, I had given you my password and everything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, go watch it, go watch it. <laughs> and then you're like, okay. And then I don't. did we plan to, like, watch both and then come back and talk about them? I don't really know how that came down. No, um, we were watching it. I think, yeah, that was the agreement. We were both going to, like, text each other when it was over and talk about the movies. Oh, okay. And then I think it was my idea to, like, call instead. Yeah. It was easier. We were expressing, like, lots of, like, thoughts that, like... We were writing, like, paragraphs. It would have been terrible. Yeah, it wouldn't have flowed as well. So. No. Yeah, so then I went and went, and I saw Suspiria with my father, um, which was an experience. I thought he was going to hate it, and then the movie ended. He was like, that movie was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, that was so good. He, I was like, he was like, it's weird, but, like, I don't know. It's just, like, so artistic and, like, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because that movie is, like, gross. <laughs> They're in part, huh? It sounds like it, honestly. It, it, the thing is, most of it's not, but there were parts of it that I was like, I was like wincing. I was like, oh my god. I I was like, can't believe I'm watching this right now. But my dad freaking vibed with it so much. And it was like, and, and you know me, I'm really into like witches and stuff. Like, I like the aesthetic of witches and things like that. So, like, I was like, oh, yeah, a witch movie. I got to go see this. And it's by my boy who made Call Me By Your Name. That was my main motivation was like Luca Guadagnino was making it. That was the main motivation. So I was like, oh, I got to see this movie. Like, I have to see it. And then I did. And then I was like, I I was falling asleep during the movie, too. But that's only because it was really late. Like, I like you knew me. Like, I would always fall asleep when we texted. (laughs) Like, yeah. I was like really going to bed earlier. Uh, so like it was hard for me to stay awake while I was watching the movie because it's like dark and everything and the chairs are so comfy. And the movie is like a horror movie, but it's not like sca- jump out of your seat scary. Uh-huh. It, there's like nothing like that in that movie. That movie is just like a it's like a dread horror movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's more about the atmosphere than it is about jumping out and scaring you. So it's like not scary at all. And, um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So I remember like half falling asleep during what was supposed to be one of the most amazing moments in the movie, which was there, there's a whole dance sequence in the movie that I like completely halfway fell asleep. <laughs> and I was like closing my eyes during <laughs> so I could like rest my eyes. <laughs> but yeah, and then we came back that night and. We talked for hours. A long time. It was a long time. We were talking <laughs> on the phone. We were talking on the phone until like two in the morning. 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And we were, like, so tired. We were, like, barely even expressing, like, complete sentence thoughts. Yeah, we, we talked about the movies for a while, and then I honestly don't even remember how we transitioned into anything else. No, it was just like, we were just going, we went to like weird places. <laughs> I remember you showing me your cat, I think. Oh yeah, because Sophie was on my bed, and I was like, oh, you gotta see Sophie, she's such, she's such a cutie. I love my cat, Sophie. You know Cats of Instagram is a documentary on Netflix now? Really? It's called Cats the Movie. Or the Meowvy or whatever the heck it is. That's so cute. I learned about it today. So we got the the you know the you know cats of Instagram is like it's like a business, right? Yeah. It's run by two people. <laughs> really? It's literally two people. That's hilarious. And they and they they're like we have no marketing department. They're like it's just us surf the internet in our pajamas looking at cat videos, reposting just- them on Instagram. <laughs> We just really, really like cats. Literally, it's like they're not even professional. Like, they're professional, but they don't have, like... It's literally them just reposting cat videos. And it became a business. That's crazy. Yeah. But it's like, they're like, yeah, we just, like, sitting on a toilet. <laughs> yep. Scrolling through cat videos. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. Anyway... So what was so what were your like some of your thoughts about it like the first time you were watching it? Um, trying to remember. I remember being sucked into the movie in a way that I hadn't really with most other movies I watched. Because hmm. it's like I'm trying to figure out how to describe what it was like to watch it. Because. It felt like you weren't on the outside watching it. It's like the way they film it is very intimate. So you kind of feel like you're feeling these things with Elio and you're going through this experience with him. Mm-hmm. So it felt more intense than other movies usually do. Yeah, for sure. Which I really liked. And this movie had the... Uh, the um Oh, the <laughs> it had the 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 uh, the um, gosh dang it! What is the word I'm looking for? I have no idea. It <laughs> it had the oh my gosh! I'm having a stroke. <laughs> it had the it had the it had the advantage of being written by James Ivory. Uh yeah who is one of the most celebrated and prolific kind of um, directors, writers of this kind of things, even though he hasn't, like, he hasn't, he doesn't write um, many um, movies like that. Mm -hmm. Not like, like, he doesn't, like I found out when looking at his um, his filmography, he directed most of it. He directs most of it and doesn't write that much, actually. Really? Yeah, like A Room with a View is probably one of his most famous movies. He didn't write 
that movie. He only directed it. And then, like, and that's, like, a romance movie. And then, like, Maurice, he he co-wrote Maurice. He actually had a writing partner, it looks like, for a lot of these movies. He wrote with, like, the same person. Uh, with this, la- he had this one lady like writing lots of his movies. Howard, Howard's End. That's one of his most famous movies. He directed that. Somebody else wrote it. And then the Remains of the Day. He didn't. He he didn't write that. He only directed it. So like that's kind of, it's interesting because this is like one of the movies that like, it's like one of the only of his famous movies that he's written. Uh huh. And he killed it (laughs) he really did that script is i was watching it yesterday when so so recently we rewatched it for the podcast obviously of course so what were your so from back then to right now what are your new impressions of the movie i still love it just as much as i did before it's still one of my favorite movies um, I think last night, as I was watching it, I realized that while I sometimes when I watch it, I wish that I could go back and relive watching it for the first time, mm. just to experience it all again as something new. I think I realized last night that I kind of like that I'm more familiar with it now because you start to understand certain things more and you can. Um, you pick up on things that you might not have seen the first time. Uh, like you get to know it better each time you watch it. Or every time I go back to the book, I feel like I always pick up on small little details that I didn't see the first time. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like I enjoy, I definitely feel like, even though I think that first experience I had in the theater watch, and by the way, as a theater experience, whoa. Um, this movie was crazy watching it in the theater like on the huge screen and with like all the sounds and stuff like that yeah it was insanity um wish i had seen that in theaters <laughs> oh my gosh and the music and everything Pfft. that was that was a that's a theater experience i'll cherish the music in this movie is so beautiful yes it was made by Sufjan Stevens who i think is a a christian I think that's, like, part of his whole thing is that, like, he's a Christian and, like, his mu- his music isn't overtly Christian, but um, it's, it's like, he, he always explores, like, the spirituality, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he went to, yeah, he went to, like, Christian school his whole life and then he went to... Yeah, he went to, like, Christian high school, went to a Christian college, and then he went to get a master's uh, at some place called the New School in New York City. Uh-huh. And anyway, so, I don't know. That was just something interesting that I was remembering last night that I was like, I should bring that up because this is something that you wouldn't think some Christian person would come write music for. <laughs> No, conventionally probably not. Yeah. But um what were we saying before I went on that? Oh, you were just saying the music is amazing. Yeah. 
but what was I saying before that? I was talking about the theater experience, but I was saying something before that. You were asking what it was like. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. What it was, want- what was? What was it like? No, or was I giving my turn about it? You asked me, and then I answered, and now it's your turn. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, guys. I'm tired. <laughs> I did, I don't think I eat. I didn't eat enough at breakfast. <laughs> I eat more food. Yeah, I had eggs and I had a whole plate of fruit and then I had like two glasses of water and like a bite of a sausage because I didn't like it. Um, but anyway, so rewatching it last night, I've seen this movie before, like more times than just when I saw it in theaters. Yeah. I saw it in the theater, I saw it at the Best Picture Showcase, and then I bought it and then I watched it maybe once, maybe. Once or twice, I think. Um, I think maybe even there was a time where we tried to, like, watch it together at the same time. We did, but my computer at the time was stupid. (laughs) And it wouldn't play. Yeah. (laughs) I know, but now we can do that because, like, new technology. Right. I have one that isn't half broken. (laughs) But... Watching it last night, though, I was like, there's still stuff, there's still something in that movie that I don't, it doesn't impact my rating for the movie, but it bugs me so much because I can't figure it out. (laughs) Wait, what? Yeah, there's something that in this movie that to this day, two years later, I still don't understand. Um, Ooh, talk about it. We will talk about it later in the episode. But, But watching this movie last night, I'm really, as time has gone on, I've really started to cherish movies that were shot on film because they look so different. And I'm jealous, honestly, that as a filmmaker, I can't afford to shoot on film. <laughs> because cause light hits film like a very, in a way that digital can't capture. Right. You can put grain on digital. You can make the colors look like they're film colors, right? You can manipulate the colors. You can you can manipulate the lighting. You can manipulate. You can make it look like real grain, but you cannot replicate the texture, and you cannot replicate the way light hits freaking film. No matter what you, there never in a million years will they be able to do that. And watching this movie last night, it just reminded me, like, just how much I love that aesthetic so much. I was, like, foaming at the mouth looking at certain sequences because I was just like, oh, my God, this is so beautiful. And if it was shot on digital, it would be awful. It would not look as beautiful as this. And that was just something that last night, like, was hitting me a lot more than usual. Also... In the rewatch, the acting, oh my god. Oh my gosh. I always always thought it was really good. There's one scene. So remember the scene where Oliver is at the pool, and he's laying down, and and he goes, listen to this. And then he reads that thing to Elio, and he goes, I don't understand what that means. I don't think your dad does either. And then Elio goes, maybe it made sense when he wrote it. And then Oliver goes... It's the kindest thing anybody's ever said to me in months. Kind? Yeah. Kind. 
and then he rolls over into the pool. Yes. That scene, okay, that might be my favorite scene in the entire movie. And that delivery and that back and forth and Army Hammer's delivery of that second kind was like, I felt like I was watching Humphrey Bogart and freaking Ingmar, Ing, Ing, Ingrid Bergman in Casablanca. I was like, that is... The way he delivered that was so incredible that it reminded me of the great acting. It was like reminding me of the acting of the greats in like the 50s and the 40s and stuff like that. It was that blew me away yesterday so much. Like I like ah, I don't know what it is. Sometimes there's just like small things in movies that I'm just like, oh, my freaking goodness. Yeah. Like in her, there's just this shot of dust floating in the air. Like, you ever walk into a room and there's, like, light coming through a window and, like, the beam, you can, like, see the beam of light and you can see, like, the dust floating in inside? Yeah, you see all the little particles. Yeah. There's a shot of that in her that, like, sends me for a loop every time I watch it. And it is, like, it's wild. It's wild. It's literally a shot of dust coming off of a rug. And you're like, what the heck? Yeah. But you're like, it's brilliant because it makes sense in in the context of, like, what's going on in the scene. It's like... Yeah. It's like it builds up the, the like, tone and the reality of what's going on, like, when you watch that scene. Uh, whenever we watch her, we will... We'll talk about that. Because I love that movie, but yeah, just the acting, the 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 um, the 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 shots, the the shot on film. This movie's also like one of the most beautifully shot movies ever. The cinematographer was a guy named Sayambu Mukdeeprom. I think he's like he's probably like an Indian guy. Uh, no, he's from Thailand. Whoops. <laughs> and they shot it on like thirty-five millimeter film. Ah, uh, I was. Oh man, this movie feels like doesn't this this movie feels maybe I'm the only one who feels like this. It feels like it was shot in the time period that it was written in. No, it really does. It feels like it. it that feels like it feels like it's the summer of '83. It feels like they shot that movie in the summer of '83 in Italy. Yeah, it's you can, so good. You can like feel the time difference. Yeah, exactly. They did such a good job at like kind of grasp you know, and you know what's crazy is because they're like in this European town like without much technology and you know that today that town would be kind of similar I mean they shot it there <laughs> right right it the, it lends like this timelessness to the movie which I like you know there are movies that feel like very ingrained in their time period but there are movies that like take place in like that they're very ambiguous about when they're taking place. I mean yeah. this movie literally says the summer of nineteen eighty-three, right? Though just I feel like the setting is perfect and the lack of technology that gets used in this movie is perfect. And it makes this movie like you forget. You kind of forget a little bit. This is kind of the same thing with Joker, right? Mm-hmm. A Joker's 
Joker kind of deliberately avoids that it's taking place in any time period. In fact, in the script, I have like a copy of the script on my phone. And um, Todd Phillips like left a note in the beginning of it. And he's like, let's just say 1981 or something. So they, they didn't even pick like a solid time. No. And when you watch that movie, like, it's very clearly reminiscent of, like, 70s New York. But at the same time, you really are like, I don't know what time period this movie takes place in. Yeah. You're like, this could be anything. This could honestly be anywhere, anytime. Um, I don't like when movies do that. I do, too, because it kind of, like, I like the remove, like, feeling removed from any sort of time period for the most part, because it doesn't. And what this movie does well is it doesn't like want to fall into like the genre, the conventions of that time period either or try and be like, it's the 80s. So let's throw this in there and this in there and this in there. 80s stuff. Right. It only does what's necessary. Mm-hmm. And I think there's only like what one or two 80s songs in this movie. Right. Yeah. There's just l- enough to feel it but not 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 too much it's not it's it's not focused on its time period because it's more interested in telling its story right which i enjoy a lot and yes when i was watching it last night i was just like uh i fell in love with this movie all over again that was the first time i had watched this movie in full in like maybe a year really yeah yeah i haven't really revisited call me by your name in a while Maybe not a year, but like somewhere around the six, somewhere more than six months, but somewhere between a year and six months. Yeah. I haven't seen this movie in full. So watching it again was like amazing uh, to see. Probably good that you had such a break. So that way you can, you know, revisit everything without feeling too like bored. Not that you would get bored with this, but... So it's pressure. No, no, it'll happen. You can wear stuff out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, probably. Yeah, that's how I feel like I try and avoid watching movies I really like sometimes. After I've watched it a lot, I try and avoid watching it for a long time. Like Interstellar. Yeah. I haven't seen Interstellar since you and I saw it. Yeah, it was like almost a year ago. Yeah. And. Uh, it was a year ago. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. And I got the remote. (laughs) (laughs) And then we finally made it work. Huh? And then we finally made it work. No, we didn't. Yeah. No, remember I had to come back another day with the remote? I know, but we made it work. Oh, I see what you're saying. Eventually we, like, watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over Christmas break or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So, um... I forgot what I was saying. Anyway, I, I try not to I try not to watch movies that I really, really like for a very long time. I try and take long breaks in between so when I watch it, it's like I'm watching it for the first time and I get to feel all the like, oh my goodness. I remember exactly. this and I remember this and I remember this. It's nice that way. Yeah. So I guess I don't know. What's your favorite scene in this movie? I'm interested. Such a hard question. It's a hard question. I, I even watching it last night, I don't 
No, for sure. There are so many good scenes in this movie. There really are. I don't know if at this moment I can think of one that is particularly my favorite scene, but I don't know. I was telling you this before. That part where Elio is trying to convey to Oliver how he's feeling and they're standing at the memorial statue and Oliver is like, is there anything that you don't know? And Elio's like, oh, if only you knew how little I know about the things that really matter. I don't know, just the way that that scene happened. I love that scene so much. Okay, you want to hear? Okay, I guess I could. Huh? And then after when Elio was like, because I wanted you to know, and he's just saying it to himself over and over again. Yeah. Just, I love it. So that's the scene I have a problem with. Really? Yes. <laughs> Why? Because I don't know how he understood. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> I try so hard. I listen so closely every time that scene happens. And I go, how the heck does he know he loves him? <laughs> I think that the only reason he was able to understand was because he loved him back. That's some transcendentalist freaking deep stuff right there. That's not something you're going to understand that someone is telling you unless you're already at that level with them. I guess I'm going to have to leave it at that because every time I watch that scene I'm like, what the actual F? Is he getting out of this? I don't know. I've I thought about that, too, because if someone came up to me and said that, I would probably be like, what things are you talking about that matter that you don't know? Like, I would be confused, but I don't know. It somehow works with. See, I don't think it I don't think it doesn't work. But like my brain couldn't like logically compute how that happened. I mean, it feels like it. It feels like it works with the kind of love that is displayed in this movie. Because, like, I don't know. It just it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. Love doesn't make sense. <laughs> it doesn't um, <laughs> at all. But I don't know. I I understand it because it's kind. Well, I don't understand it, but I understand why they did it that way because the way that they write about love in this story is that, like, everything... I don't know how to talk. Um, Hmm. They write it as if, like, two people who love each other are, like, almost intertwined in Hmm. a way. Okay. So it almost makes sense that since that's how they write about the love, that Oliver would kind of understand what Elio is coming from because they... they like, because like they, in a cosmic sense, they not like they brain, but they like understand each other. Okay. So that's, that's my takeaway from it anyways. See, I, could be I, very- I like that. The f- I think my brain just never got there. I like your your explanation makes that scene a lot better oh, okay. for me. Like that idea that it's kind of like because that's like intangible. 
that's like spiritual level stuff, right? So yeah. I I like that. I have a friend who believes in soulmates and mm-hmm. I think I'm there, but I don't know if I'm like not like I think I'm there, but I don't like like that's like things like that, like those mm-hmm. spiritual transcendental like cosmic kind of concepts that like we can't put our finger on. Sometimes right. I'm like I struggle a little bit because I don't know how to feel because I have like a, just a need sometimes to like have to logically have something like figured out. This is true. But I think I <laughs> This is true. Oh my goodness. But but I think I think I have to, like, kind of give in to, like, the idea that, like, there's just things I won't explain, I can't explain, or that nobody can explain, or there's no answer to things. Sometimes things are just things. Yeah. And I mean, That's yeah. That's interesting. I, I, I what you're talking about. I like that. I like that. I like that uh, explanation that you gave. That actually really helped me. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. That actually, but like, improved worse. the movie for me. <laughs> that I didn't make it worse. Because I was just like, I don't freaking get it. I listened really hard yesterday and I still didn't freaking get it. Aww. I was like, I was like, I was literally like right next to the TV, like trying to hear every single word. And I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand what's going on. <laughs> Maybe Andre Asman believes in soulmates. I, I think he's got to. I, I think... I think about the way he writes, and I'm literally like, you're writing on, like, a level of, like, he write like, I'm reading Eight White Nights. I'm only eight pages in because I fell asleep last night. Um, but, like, when he writes, you feel, it feels like he is, like, like, there's, like, a whole universe of meaning to every single little interaction that happens. Honestly. And there's... <laughs> I mean, he spent pages on three words. I am Clara. I know. And I... Was, I was a little... I was a little exhausted by the end of it, not gonna lie. You... His reading is... No, not his reading. His writing is not light reading. Like, it's not one of those things where you can just skim over and get the gist of it. Like, you have to take your time and pick things apart and pay attention and actually, you know, try and understand. Literally, I found myself getting lost. The I Am Clara thing, yeah, that was a little... Um, I got lost in the first eight pages and I was, like, trying to re-piece together what actually was happening in the scene. Uh, yeah. Last night. And that's because I have like a tendency to like, I read a little bit fast sometimes mm-hmm. because I'll do the like, I'll do the like read fast and like catch every like second word and then like piece it together sometimes. And I'll like jump down lines like without finishing a line of text ah. sometimes. And that's just because, like, I kind of learned to, like, do the, like, get the gist of things reading. Mm-hmm. Because I've always, like, hated, I've always dreaded reading. So I just kind of read like that naturally. Because I kind of trained myself a little bit to read like that. <laughs> uh-huh. To read fast and, like, take shortcuts when I'm reading. And when I was reading last night, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. <laughs> 
because right. I don't know what's going on. They're, I was like, I was on Clara, and now they're talking about Santa, and now um, I don't even know what's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. But I kind of appreciate. I appreciate his ability to want to like dive deep into stuff. I'm scared Eight White Knights is going to be like a hard read for me because I'm scared it's going because it's like what you said. You said there's a lot of describing conversations, but not conversations. Yeah, if you if you go back and actually look at the pages, there are very, very few actual. There's like like, one line in quote per page. Yeah, it's all just because she'll say something to him and then he will pick every single not even word he'll pick every single letter apart and he'll think about it and he'll relate it to some other thing like he goes from the guy's brain to the universe back to the guy's brain he somehow makes a circle but like you have to make sure that you're there for the whole ride otherwise you're not going to understand what's going on yeah i i was just like when i was reading it last night i was just like oh my gosh oh like this is a lot I was, like, I, was like, I was like, I'm going to have to get used to reading this. I know. And the book is about them spending eight nights together. And if this is the first night, I'm like, what are the other seven nights going to be about? Because I haven't even, when, before I gave it to you, I didn't even get past the first night yet. Really? Yeah, they're still at the party. I'm going to try and finish it. I'm definitely going to think, I think I'll be able to finish it before I give it back to you. Yeah. Like, before I come back, so... I'm interested in seeing where that goes. Because <laughs> that was wild. <laughs> yeah. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> what is what is happening right now? It's, it's kind of the same thing when you read Call Me By Your Name. He kind of like goes out and... I don't want to say he goes everywhere, but he like... He, I don't know. His writing style is very, very unique. I've never read an author's work that is like his. See, I, I feel like that's good that like you yeah. found him because like you get to like have that kind of experience of like trying to figure out a new author's writing who writes well, but it's a challenge. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt like when I started watching uh, David Lynch movies. I remember being like, this is a, this guy's a master, but I am challenged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hardcore watching these movies. <laughs> They're yeah. so weird. <laughs> and, I, and I remember being like, but I enjoy just kind of like, I'm getting used to somebody else's style who like knows what they're doing. It's nice, though. It's rewarding in a way because it's it makes you think and, you know, you, you try and really get inside everything that's going on. Yeah. I just de- kind of... No, continue, continue. Uh, that was it. I just said it's, it's nice. Oh, okay. I definitely... I don't think I'll ever be able to read Call Me By Your Name because I just have an issue with reading books for movies I've seen before. Yeah. It's just hard. I think the only book I don't have an issue with is, like, The Wolf of Wall Street because The Wolf of Wall Street is written in a way that's, like, just as entertaining to read as the movie is, even though you've already kind of seen those events. Yeah. And also, there's way more stories in that book than there are in the movie. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
But Call I think, huh? No, sorry, finish and then I'll. Say but it. I think I'm going to read find, find. Is it find me? Yeah. I will read find me. Oh my gosh, you have to. You finished it, right? I did. Yeah, I will read that book. I finished it in like a few days. It was amazing. Yeah, I remember you being like, I have to finish this before I freaking go see him. I thought he was going to give away like mad spoilers during the... Um, <laughs> mad spoilers? The- <laughs> like, I can't have this spoiled for me. I need to read it. And then like, he talked about maybe one thing. That yeah, dang. I had already gotten to. I was like, oh, okay. But it was worth it. Yeah. Um, Last night when I was watching... Oh, my favorite scene. Because I asked you for right. your favorite scene. You couldn't give me an answer. <laughs> um, I think... So I think my favorite moment is the kind thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, why is my brother texting me? Okay. Anyway, as far as favorite scene, like full scene, I have to give it to the dance. Night, oh my the God. nightclub, the outdoor nightclub. Love that scene. I, okay, yesterday I realized what the magic of focus pulling is uh-huh. to a degree I've never even noticed before. Just explain what focus pulling is. So that is when you are changing the focus on your camera, right? Uh-huh. So you pull the focus to get things in focus, right? And there is a, the portion of that scene where Elio is sitting in the chair smoking the cigarette. Uh-huh. There is a deliberate, we are going to follow him when he leans in, right? So they yeah. ensure that his face is in focus for almost the entirety of him leaning in when he's watching Oliver dance with, uh, what's that chick's name? Clara? Yeah. Something like that. And so there's that. But then his lean back afterwards, they leave the focus where it is for a couple seconds until like a couple seconds after he's already leaned back in the chair fully. And then they put him back in focus. Uh And I remember just watching that and being like, that is... That's like genius on a level that I'm not even able to comprehend, I think. Because there is like an emotional, there's like an emotion to that. Like, when I watch, like, this movie's very, like, technically very well done. As far as, like, its camera work and everything like that. But there are moments like that in the movie where I I I remember feeling like, okay, that just, like, that's like the emotional height of that entire scene is that, at least for me anyway, is that him leaning back in the chair, taking another drag of the cigarette, and then waiting for the camera to put him back in focus. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like, I think I think a lot of that has to do with like that moment being like Elio kind of coming to grips with having a crush on Oliver and getting the unrequited love moment at the very same time because Oliver and that Italian chick are together. Mm-hmm. And they had like they were kissing and everybody was cheering and everything like that. 
Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, yeah, there is something there's something in that rack in that in that rack focus that was like magical and indescribable, I don't think. Yeah. And that's kind of I don't know. That's that's one of those things where I'm like, this is why I like movies. Cause you can do that. You can like create poetry inside of just the simple when am I going to put something in focus and when am I not going to? And you know it's deliberate because they kept him in focus the entire time when he leaned in. So I was like, there's no way they just didn't do it. There's no way that was an accident. <laughs> no part of this movie feels like it was an accident. No. Every piece feels like they knew what they were doing. It, it, it's like, it feels like they knew it. It feels like it feels all planned and unplanned at the same time. It feels just like, like it feels planned, but it doesn't feel cold, right? Like when you watch Gone Girl, like that movie feels, <laughs> everything is purposeful, right? Every single thing in that movie is like, you can tell it was planned to a T, you know, they had a storyboard, you know, they, you know, they literally like probably obsessed for hours uh, shooting those parts. I mean, David Fincher is known for like doing upwards of a hundred takes sometimes for certain <laughs> things. And He's very Kubrickian in that sense. And but when you watch this movie, everything seems perfect, but it almost seems like things just naturally fell into place rather than they were manipulated by some sort of scientist or something like that. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And I just love that moment. And then when in Love My Way is still going to be one of my favorite songs of all time because of that scene. I love yeah. hearing that song and then just like having those visuals in my brain. You know, Army Hammer hated that scene. Yeah, he said that was more uncomfortable than like making out with Timothy Chalamet or any of the sex scenes. Yeah, because they like didn't have the music playing while they were dancing or they would like turn on the music enough to get people jumping around and they would turn it all the way off. So everyone was kind of just dancing and he felt so subconscious because he's like this big tall dude. Like trying yeah. to dance felt so awkward. You know that. Um, also, his shorts were so short that they had to digitally remove his penis in scenes. Are you serious? Yeah. That's hilarious. There's a scene. Okay, remember when Elio is playing the piece on the guitar on the piano? Yeah. And you know how Oliver he stands in the doorway and then he goes and he wa- and then he goes and sits down in the chair. Yeah. I was watching that scene. I was like, he told when he sits down, I'm like, he completely like it I looks like he very clearly like move like adjusted himself like down there. So that way that didn't happen. <laughs> oh no. It was kinda like he sits down, you could tell he was like, Okay, let me just move this real quick. It's <laughs> actually really funny. I was dying. But like I remember one time I was watching this movie and me and Lily were um, just watching like some sort of video or something about it. We, I think we were watching Conan and they had a joke about it on Conan and they recreated the dance scene from the movie and they had a shot from like someone's like stomach down and they, it was like they were like a stand in for Army Hammer and they were dancing with the shorts and they had like a like a like a blurred out long penis <laughs> coming out of the legs of the shorts just like flat flapping around and stuff like that 
And it was a joke they did on Conan. It was hilarious. I think it was on Conan that they did that. And it was just like really funny. And I remember Lily going, I remember Lily going, he looks like he has a big penis. (laughs) I was dying. It was so funny. It was so, but I get it. Like his shorts are mad short. And I watched that movie and I'm like, your shorts are short, bro. They're they're very short. Yeah. What's your huh? I didn't say anything. Oh, I. What's your favorite of the like, Sufjan Stevens songs that are in this movie? I. Mystery of Love is definitely my favorite. Mystery of Love is awesome. It's so beautiful and it has it 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 just oh I love it so much. That song. I remember when I remember when I watched this movie for the first time and I was hearing the music and I remember just being like, oh my goodness, this is genius music. I love in Mystery of Love, I love the like Hephaestion who died. Alexander's lover. And I was like, oh, I can't right now. I can't. That is so good. And for those of you who don't know, Alexander of Macedon, or Alexander the Great, like one of his right-hand men was this guy, Fastian, and they were really close and they would write letters to each other a lot. And when Alexander died, I guess the legend is that Fastian kind of like laid with his corpse for, or no, 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 Fastian died and Alexander laid with him, with his dead body. Yeah. And he was and he cried so hard. And like it it's it's assumed that maybe that they were more than just like a brotherly relationship, that maybe they were like actually lovers. There's like historical debate about that. So that was like that's like hearing that and then like knowing the background of like that line, I was just like, Oh my god, that is Eighth, good on you, Sufjan Stevens, for being well-versed in ancient history. And B, (laughs) that is like, that was like so poetic. It was. Every, uh, I just, every single thing that happens in that song, I think is just magical. And I I remember, ah, and even the, the little tune, and I'm like, oh my God. Right, like every part, every part is amazing. Or what, what does it say? Lord, I no longer believe. Drowned in living waters. And I'm like, oh, this is real music. <laughs> this is legit music. I used to just like, I used to, well, after Call Me By Your Name, I literally listened to that song. And visions of Gideon, like, every day. For, for like, I think the entire, for, like, months. Wow. It was, like, when La La Land came out and I listened to the soundtrack. Like, I literally listened to the soundtrack of La La Land. I think, like, from the time I saw La La Land into, like, springtime. Mm-hmm. And I saw La La Land in, like, December. La La Land soundtrack was magical. Okay, literally, I was listening 
to music on my phone and us and what a lovely night just turned on by accident. I wasn't trying to listen to the La La Land soundtrack, but that came on. Mm-hmm. And I was and I wanted to listen to the music I wanted to listen to, but I could not bring myself to turn off um what a lovely night. Like I had to force myself to turn it off and I regretted turning it off after I did. Oh, I should just listen to it. I was like, I have something else I need to listen to for something, but this song is so good, I don't want to turn it off right now. <laughs> it was crazy. I was like, le- there's never really been a time where like a song has really been able to do that to me. <laughs> yeah. Where I've just been like, oh, I don't know if I... W-. I was struggling to turn it off. I was like, And I listened to like three-fourths of the song, too. <laughs> I, saw, I listened to... Um the soundtrack to La La Land before I saw the movie, like months before I saw the movie. Dang, see, so had the whole movie spoiled for you? Not, well. <laughs> the whole plot of the movie is literally in the first song and then it's every other song? Yeah, pretty much. And, like, I knew what was going to happen, but I still wanted to see the movie. And I just remember, like, the first time I listened to the soundtrack, it was so different than anything I had listened to before and definitely different than anything I was listening to at the time. I think this was like all 2017 question mark when I listened to the soundtrack and it was like I was on my way to school and I was on the bus and I was just so happy for the rest of the day. I just listened to that soundtrack over and over again. It's very joy inducing. That soundtrack is awesome. And that was, like, show tunes, like, done at a level that, like, had never been done before. Yeah. Like, I, like, La La Land puts musicals to shame with how good its ability to, like, create catchy songs with, like, real, like, integrity to, like, the plot of that movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And that music composition by Justin Hurwitz is just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I freaking love La La Land. <laughs> so, yeah, so you say Mystery of Love? That's my favorite, yeah. I like Mystery of Love a lot. I feel like it still may be my favorite, but last so, night, anyway, Visions of Gideon hit me at the end. I don't know. I just really? thought that was brilliant. When at the end. Elio is sitting in front of the fireplace... Him sitting okay, I forgot how amazing on the side. that end credit sequence is. Even the yeah. credits of this movie yeah. looked really Of just great. watching Elio sit there and the end credits. That is like, I, so I, I that's something I like strive to, to emulate. Look at. In I remember when I saw it um, at the AMC Best and Picture honestly, Showcase. honestly, like, uh, one of the people I saw right with now, got up. I was like, like really the gayest movie I've ever seen, but not in a bad way. In there? I don't think I will be able to. But I mean, yeah. I will. Yeah, I mean, it was just trying. It was just, you know what it is. <laughs> it's just yeah. mad. It's it's gay. It's really gay. I mean, yeah. But it's it's, it's not bad. Movie. It's not bad, but it's like, but even like, I guess, I don't know. I guess like that kind of description is kind of like, I don't know. That's wrong, I think. I feel like sensual is more like a real word for it. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I can I see that, yeah. It feels very, it, feel, it feels like there's like a never ending, like, like everything in this movie is like embodying the sort of sexual tension that's like happening. Uh-huh. So anyway. One of the things that is a lot talked about in this movie is the age difference. <laughs> yes, I remember a while ago we were talking about that, like how it would affect Elio, the age difference. Yeah. Or, I don't know, you had some thoughts on it. I don't know. What do you think? I want to know what you think about it, because I know that this has been like a hot topic of discussion ever since this movie has come out. And I know you love this movie a lot. I mean, we both do. But I kind of want to know, like, how you feel, especially since you've read the book, too. I think watching the movie... Because I didn't even know it was a book until after I watched the movie. I watched the movie, and then I ended up going out the next day and getting the book just because I happened to be able to go to a bookstore that day. Like, it was a coincidence. But um, I think reading the book helped me to think about the age difference more than watching the movie did which maybe that's wrong maybe I should have thought about it before but for whatever reason I didn't um I think in the book I helped me think about it more because you're very very much inside Elio's brain during the book and you get to see kind of his like whirlwind the whole book is just his whirlwind of thoughts and emotions and trying to figure out what's going on with him and his body and with Oliver and it's just it's very confusing and it's very intimate but it's also very um I don't know it's I'm getting off topic mm-hmm. the age difference I feel like people ex- should it bother me more than it does um I, I never really, maybe because it's fiction <laughs> as much, because I want, I wonder if I saw that happening in, happening in real life, I would be a little concerned. <laughs> um, but for whatever reason, when I read this book, I'm not, or when I watch this movie, I'm not looking at it thinking this is a 17 year old and a 24 year old I'm thinking of it as just two people who really understand each other and really love each other and it just I don't know I mean so there's a seven year age difference (laughs) and they're young I know and when they're young when people are younger it's weirder to have bigger age gaps Big age gaps yeah. are weird when you're young, especially when I think it, that movie plays harder in the United States because we're very puritanical about that stuff here. Mm-hmm. And like in Europe, like God, on, like all the like ages of consent are crazy. <laughs> yeah. And even here, I mean, there are some places where like age of consent is like 14 or 16. So young. It is. It's so young, and um, huh? Fourteen blows me away a little bit. Yeah, that's nuts. 
I was like, oh, no, because Nardis is 14. <laughs> no. Yeah, and it's one of those, I don't know. I went, When I went and saw it at the Best Picture Showcase, one of the people there was a father. And he goes, as a father watching this movie, it's kind of hard. I have a little bit of an issue. Because if I were to think of, like, my child in that situation, I would not be happy. Yeah. I think, I mean, considering it's in Italy, we're obviously there both well within the age of consent. Uh-huh. It What makes it, because it comes down to, like, who is pursuing who. Yeah. Two. And Oliver was making moves on Elio. Well, he made one move on Elio, and then Elio had to make all the moves because Elio scared him. <laughs> yes, he did. He, like, he was too tense, and Oliver was like, oh, better back up. Yeah, he was like, oh, my God, this dude, I molested this kid by accident. <laughs> I touched his shoulder once. And he almost had a breakdown, so I can never look him in the eye again. Yeah, I right in the movie he goes, you made me he goes, That look you gave, you made me think I molested you. I was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, Maybe you did. And um No <laughs> But um I don't know. That's it's one it's just like what you said, because it's very clear the two just understand each other really well. And Elio's like a year from being an adult. Right? Yeah. He also doesn't have, I think, the stereotypical mind of a 17-year-old boy. Like, he's definitely very advanced, I think, a little bit. I Um, think... You want to know what I think? I think Elio... I think he's the mind of a 17-year-old boy, but he has the knowledge of somebody way older. And that's what makes us kind of think... That maybe he's older in his brain than he is. Mm. Because I feel like he's acting like he has that same mix up of emotions that teenagers has. He has that same kind of like um, act out kind of like impulsivity that like a young person has. Yeah. And I think he's just quiet. And a lot of times we mistake... Silence for immaturity. I mean, for maturity. That's true. And I think Elio is very clearly... I think he's just a... I think he has the mind of a 17-year-old, but he's got the knowledge of somebody who's like 37 and studied in college. Mm -hmm. And because of that, because they've played up that, I think that maybe we're kind of mistaking maturity for just being smart because I think Elio is really smart but I don't think he's I don't think especially in watching Call Me By Your Name I don't think he was mature enough to handle that relationship that early in his life and I think there's a lot of like I think there's scenes that kind of like show that like when he throws up or when he um, when he cries when him and all when when Oliver is like kind of admittedly at, at kind of being a jerk to him with the peach thing, right? Yeah. And I but at the same time, like he's also struggling with a part of himself that like he's just now kind of finding out about. 
Mm-hmm. At least in the movie, he's just now finding out about it. In the book, I don't know what 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 is said about him being at least bisexual. In the book, it's said that he um, Oliver is the first time he's ever actively explored it. Okay. But there was another boy earlier in his life that he was interested in, kind of. Mm-hmm. Or it's like that's when he started to realize that he was having those feelings. And, uh. Uh, but he never went out and acted on it. Oliver was the first time. Okay. Okay. I don't know. It's a really complicated discussion. Yeah. Especially when Elio was going after Oliver for a lot of it. Yeah, that, he definitely was the one making the moves. And even, but then even after that, and then when they get more comfortable with each other, then is it like, I don't know, is it still okay? I mean, even Oliver, I don't think, is necessarily 100% emotionally mature enough to handle what's going on either. And I think some of that comes in, like, that conversation they had where he was like, I want to make sure, like, I didn't jack anything up for you or anything like that. Like, I didn't, like, mess you up or, like... And, and like, even um, just in some of their interactions that they have, it, he feels a little teenaged and childlike at moments exploring this. And with somebody younger than him, and I think maybe a more mature person would have gone after an older person. But I think him and Elio are kind of sharing the same mental wavelength, mental space. But Oliver is one of those people that, like, you know, there are those people who, like, you're kind of, like, at the same... They're, like, smart and they're outgoing. So you also are, like, oh, that person's, like, a mature, very confident person. Uh That person's very secure and everything like that. And I think Oliver, to a little bit of an extent, has the wool pulled over everybody else's eyes because he is just also, like a kind of a little bit insecure and immature person himself. Yeah. I never thought about, I guess I never thought about it that way before. I feel like when I was watching that movie, I was just noticing a lot, like, cause like he's young, they're both young, but I feel like both of them are less mature than I think on the surface they appear to be. Yeah. Or, like, even when Elio was, like, smashing himself against the bed when he's upset. Yeah. I was like, oh. (laughs) That's so Let me not forget that you're literally still a child. Yeah, that's definitely something a kid would do. Yeah, exactly. And then Oliver, with the teasing him with the peach, like, that's a childlike thing. That's the, that's the, like dominance asserting portion of like he's almost like a bully in that moment yeah and like he knows Elio wants him to stop and then but that's like something a kid would do please stop please you're hurting me well then don't fight yeah that's almost something that like if you're watching brothers fight that's what one would say to the other yeah so I don't know. I think it's complicated. It definitely is a bit of a gray area. But you know what I think? I think this movie kind of 
knows that it's not 100% okay or not okay. And I think the movie's comfortable with that. And I think maybe even, I haven't read the book, but I would say the book is probably even comfortable with that. And it even is like, this isn't, it's still, it's not about it being okay or not okay. It's about understanding how this kind of relationship is affecting these two people. Yeah. I think in the book you see the struggle a little bit more. Mm. Um, Because you do see it in the movie. But I think hearing and reading all of Elio's thoughts on it, because he goes back and forth on it a lot in the book. And, um, like, even after they have their night together, mm-hmm. it shows him waking up thinking how, like, he just, um, he regretted what he did a little bit, or he felt, ash- not, you know what, I have the book, I'm going to see if I can find it, because mm-hmm. I want to make sure I say it right. <laughs> I'll say this, um, off topic of that, until you find that. Mm-hmm. Another scene I really, really liked was Michael Stobarg consoling Elio towards the end after Oliver left. Oh, yeah. And their conversation, and then him revealing that he also had somebody who called him by his name and how he wasn't brave enough to go after it mm-hmm. the way Elio did. And he's kind of letting Elio know, like, hey, this is okay, and I want you to, like, don't let this be the thing that shuts you down emotionally because it's just going to hurt you in the long run. Right. And I think that's interesting because you said in Find Me, the parents are divorced. Uh-huh. And that, when I was watching it last night, I remember being like, his speech is what happened to him. And moving forward, like, of course they get divorced. Especially after you hear everything he said and then thinking about how that exactly applies to him. The whole, every time we we pull a piece of ourselves out, we, have less and, we give less and less to whoever we start again with. We have less to give. And I think maybe that's what happened with them. If that makes sense. It does. And I and I love that. And I think this was honestly Michael Sobarg, brilliant, brilliant actor. I love the way that whole scene was shot and composed to and edited together. Yeah, the way he delivered it was perfect. I gotta say this though. You know who so when I first watched this movie, I had a huge crush on Esther Garrell. Or Esther Garrell, who plays Marcia. Uh, yeah. This time watching the movie, okay, the mother, I was literally like, okay. If Eduardo was like 30, Eduardo would be mad attracted to this lady. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. She, I don't know what it is. I think it's her nose. I mean, she's very beautiful. She's and super I, beautiful. And she's like very sweet, too. She is. And she has very good style. She even makes smoking look graceful, which is so, like, only certain people can pull that off. But every time she lit a cigarette and, like, took a puff, I was like, wow. Yeah. And you're like, dang. All right. 
Uh-huh. I think it's getting a little hot in this room right now. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. She was like, I was like, dang. All right. All right. Alrighty then. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Going back to the the dad speech mm-hmm. real quick, something that, um, like obviously everything that he talks about is very meaningful. <laughs> but one thing that always hits me for some reason is that moment where he asks Elio, he's like, "Have I spoken out of turn?" Oh my like, god, that was so good. How- how many parents respect their kids enough to ask them that instead of just telling them things and yelling at them and making them listen. And, you know, he's like, he's giving his opinion, but he's also letting Elio know that, you know, I'm not forcing this on you. I'm not trying to control the way you think. And I want you to tell me if I've overstepped any boundaries. And then I'm like, how many dads do that? Nobody. How many parents in general do that? I have never, that's no, that's never happened. So good. So good. They're the best parents in the world in this movie, by the way. They really are. There's never been better parents than the parents in Call Me By Your Name. Uh, he, he wins, like, he wins every best, best, dad of the, best dad of the year, every year, for eternity. Seriously, I After that speech, oh my God. <sighs> so good. So good. So you know that this movie is the third movie in a trilogy of movies. I they ex- they explore the dad character a lot more in Find Me. Oh. I think is really appreciated. Like I appreciated it a lot. He needed a little bit of, you know, some flushing out. Yeah. I don't we when I went to the book reading thing. Mhm. He said that he didn't write the ending to necessarily mean that the dad um, almost had what Elio had. Mm. Or he was, like, he did, but um, I think when pe- he said that when people watched the movie, they assumed that it, may- that it meant that the dad might also be gay or bi or something, but he never actively explored it so he you know we don't know okay but when he wrote the book that wasn't what he was like that's not what he was going for Mm. but then he was saying after he watched the movie and he watched the um he i don't know how to pronounce his last name michael stalberg yeah after he watched him do that he was saying like oh of course that's what it meant like he totally changed his mind isn't about that wanted the dad to go isn't that kind of cool like he watched somebody else take a piece of his work and do their thing with it and then in doing that he realized something about his own work that maybe exactly. wasn't there that's interesting he was saying that too he's like and people will be like well they're your characters shouldn't you know what you know they're doing and he's like no how should i know <laughs> I like that. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just sit down and see where it goes. I just write stuff and people like to buy it. That's not my freaking fault. (laughs) Exactly. He was like, I never have a plan. I just kind of go. See, so, okay. So what I was saying earlier, though. So Luca Guadagnino, this is the third movie in a trilogy of movies. Uh Themed similarly called the Desire Trilogy. Ah. 
And the first one is I Am Love, and the second one is A Bigger Splash, which actually came out... I Am Love came out in 2009, and A Bigger Splash came out in 2015. Yeah. I'm We should probably check those movies out. We should. They've got good actors. Good act. Dakota Johnson and Tilda Swinton are in at least one of them. Uh Tilda Swinton's in two of them. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They look interesting. We should we should check them out, especially because I can't get enough of Luca Guadagnino stuff. Yeah, blame you. I can't wait for his uh, Bob Dylan movie. Well, I guess it's not a movie about Bob Dylan. It's a movie inspired by a Bob Dylan album. Uh-huh. Blood on the track. What is he working on currently? Let's look it up. Okay, I found the thing in the book. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Um, he just seems very conflicted about it. Really? Like, he seems... Like, he wanted it to happen because he wanted to know if that's something he wanted or not, and he was enjoying it when, he was, when it was happening, and then afterwards, he just... Um... There's no, I didn't hate it at all, but what I felt was worse than hate. I didn't want to remember, didn't want to think about it, just put it away. It had never happened. It's like he's regretting it, but at the same time, he's also thinking, like, am I going to feel this way in a few hours, or am I just going to want more of him Mm. once this, like, self-loathing is out of my system? Whoa, what is this? Hmm? I think I like the scene with the peach better in the book than the movie. The movie version is interesting. (laughs) Not to say that I don't like it in the movie. I just feel like I prefer being able to know what he's thinking while he's doing it. Because when you watch the movie, you might just be like, oh, okay, he's doing this. But then it's like, I don't know. I liked reading that scene. So this is interesting. Um, Find Me has been announced. Really? It's it's on his IMDb, and it's got the red tag announced next to it. Huh. So he has so so he has a mini series coming out this year called We Are Who We Are. Two American teenagers come of age while living on an American military base in Italy. I hope that's like an HBO thing, because if it's not, I'm going to be upset. It better be somewhere I can watch it. (laughs) And then Blood on the Tracks is in pre-production. A feature film based on Bob Dylan's 1975 album, Blood on the Tracks. Uh And then at the top, it says, Find Me. Announced. Interesting. Let me Google Find me movie what the heck is all oh I'm sorry I'm gonna have to give you that book when you come back maybe Uh, yeah do it I do want to read find me find me okay hold on I know what I'm gonna do call me by your name, C. Quell. 
Oh, there's an audio read by Army Hammer for Find Me. Really? He reads the novel apparently in the in the whatever version, in the audio version. Wait, he reads the whole book? I think so. I have to listen to that. <laughs> I have to listen to that. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think they're doing the I think it's just like Lucas said though like they're not going to do the book as the movie maybe. Mhm. I'm trying to look a sequel to the film is announced January 2018. Sequel? If I go down to the sequel part. Oh uh, yeah, I think we talked about this at Ivory. Oh, the film isn't formally in the way. So, it's like we're going to do it at some point maybe. I don't know. It's weird. I, I kind of hope so. It would be interesting. I would love to see a Call Me By Your Name sequel. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, some people are like, don't touch it. Like, we like the whole mystery of them, of it leaving off where it left off. But I don't know. I guess maybe I'm selfish and I want more of these characters. <laughs> I like the idea of seeing, like, how this journey pans out. Yeah. So who knows? I would love to see it, though. I guess we'll see what happens after Blood on the Tracks and we are who we are. I hope something something happens. Oh, Luku Guadagnino is gay. Didn't know that. Just found that out right now. He lives and works in a 17th century palazzo in the heart of Crema, 40 miles, 40 minutes from Milan. Oh, he's dating sense. another Italian. He's he was dating an Italian film director at some point. Uh-huh. He was dating Fernandino Citi Fil- Filomarino. Okay. <laughs> oh, he was dating his second unit director. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, who has a movie coming out next year or this year called Born to Be Murdered? Oh no. Interesting. So I guess we'll never know how this Call Me By Your Name saga pans out until they tell us. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, okay. what rating? For this movie, do you think? It's um Oh wait, I was gonna read something that I found. Oh yes, yes, yes. Read that. Uh, read that. In the peach scene, it's really short. It's when um Oliver comes in the room and he finds the peach. Okay. And he says, Any idea how much work I think Anchies puts into each one of these? He was joking, but it felt as though he or someone through him was asking the same question about the work my parents had put into me. So it's like, that's how he feels after everything is going, I guess, that he, like, ruined himself, almost. That Elio ruined himself. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, this book it this book and the movie are like on levels that are like it's operating on like emotional levels that like few movies are able to <laughs> do. If I'm ever able to write something that is even half or a, or a quarter as deep as this gets, then I will be a very happy writer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you'll be able to. I mean, I think you're a pretty good writer already. And it's just going to come with practice. I am trying. <laughs> so what do you think? For rating, I'd probably have to give it a 10. I think, yeah, I don't think I'm going to change my 10 out of 10 rating for this movie. I still I, like I it. It deserves it. And I think we're both on the same page about wanting to see a sequel. Of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. Oh, it's gonna play at the Arc Light on um, on um, on um, on um, a year oh, a week from right now. It's gonna play at the what? Arc Light Cinema. Oh. Which is ooh, that's way north of me. Oh, no, that's not that worth, actually. That's about... Directions? An hour? An hour away? That's not that bad. No. Who knows? I'll drag somebody to come drive me there. (laughs) Yeah. JK. It'd be interesting to see it if it was being projected on film. Oh, that would be. That would be something I'd want to see. Oh, man. So, what a way to kick off our February month of movies. I know. Thank you guys for listening. It means a lot. Such a fun episode to do. Yeah, and it was really nice to watch Call Me By Your Name again. Mm-hmm. What's next week's episode? If you don't know, it's okay. Um, hang on, I have the paper. I found the audio recording, and I'm, like, so tempted to buy it and listen to it over the weekend. <laughs> it's, like, very tempting. Um, next week is Valentine's Day, and it's Brooklyn. It's Brooklyn? Yeah. Okay, cool. I have no clue when any of this stuff is supposed to be scheduled. You pick these two movies, the next two that we're doing. Oh my goodness. Anyway, Brooklyn. Oh, I can't wait to watch that movie. That movie rocks. That movie rocks. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. Stay tuned next week to watch Brooklyn. I mean, to to watch Brooklyn. So next week, when you listen to the show, you don't get spoiled. Yes. And everything we say will make sense. Yes. And uh, without further ado, goodbye, everybody. Yes. Goodbye.